This is IA Story Share, a podcast from Imagining America, where publicly engaged artists, designers, scholars, students, and other community members share stories about their life and work. Our first series of conversations comes from people who attended the 2017 Imagining America National Conference, which was held in and around Davis, California. This time, a conversation between Denise Johnson, Beverly Bickle, and Lee Boot. Denise is a cultural organizer who's worked to develop and enhance art and cultural assets in Southwest and West Baltimore. She's a co-founder of Culture Works and currently uses the group's practices in her work with Baltimore's historic Arch Social Club, where she's director of the Arch Social Community Network. The club has been a fixture of Black Baltimore's civil society for over 100 years and has served as a hub of community action. Beverly and Lee are on the faculty of UMBC, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Lee is an experimental media artist working to develop new and effective ways to use digital media to spread knowledge for pro-social outcomes. He's assembled widely interdisciplinary teams from the sciences, arts, and humanities to explore the potential of an artist's perspective to address vexing social issues. Beverly's research aims at highlighting the essential role of building sustained relationships across differences while negotiating diverse knowledge sources, experiences, discourses, and intellectual practices to address local and transnational transformational challenges. Lee and Bev got to know each other when they traveled to the 2013 Imagining America conference in Syracuse, New York. They met Denise when she joined the effort to organize the 2015 IA conference in Baltimore. The three discuss how creating change can only be done by connecting people and listening. They also talk about how they connected and how Denise started out skeptical about the role UMBC would be able to play in planning IA's Baltimore conference. I remember you being, you know, coming to the events, the organizing events mm-hmm. that we had leading up to that. And uh, you and Ashley would tend to come together. Yes. And I remember, and you always had like really good questions and you were sat there and you, you were watching and you were sussing it out for the first couple, like, okay, <laughs> who are these people? And, you know, anyway, your, your skepticism was actually heartening to me. Um, and, and I say skepticism because in your body language, I could see it and I, and I liked it a lot, you know? And, uh, and so I was really glad that you kept coming and, um, you know, it was just, I, I, I just felt like in a way we were, we were bonding in, in a kind of almost nonverbal way, even though there's a lot of talking going on, if that makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. And it was fun getting to know you. As you. So that year, uh, Baltimore City had what what uh, ended up being framed by the media mostly, I think, was the Baltimore Uprising. And uh, so it happened in, in my community. So maybe part of my body language uh, could have been related to that, being, being a community uh, advocate and, and organizer. And then... Um, just having that that memory of the 68 riots and then, you know, watching the uprising on TV brought me back to this 10-year-old little girl. Mm-hmm. So That's interesting. I'll yeah, think about yeah. that now. And that, that's some yeah. of the thing we were talking about somewhere, I think, in this conference about the how we carry we carry our lives in our bodies, right? Yes. And the sort of trauma and the mm-hmm. and the joy and all of it. All of it is here with us. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been really um, uh, liberating and and 
endlessly interesting getting mm-hmm. to know you and uh, and just hearing <clears throat> the way you think about community and the way you think about the community uh, that you care about most um, is just so far beyond, I think, um, certainly probably where I was. And, uh, you know, when, when, when I started this work and um, so rooted in not only the experience of organizing, but also the experience of living there and of, you know, your deep history um, with the space that you care about. You know, not all organizers grew up where they're organizing, you know. So the dimensions of what you know and, uh, and have the generosity to, to tell us about um, is uh, fantastic. And that's part of the beauty of uh, IA that, that I fell in love with is um, being able to be who I am and, and bring my love of, of what I do, community and family, and talk about it through the lens of organizing and uh, and growing <laughs> in 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 the space with, with IA and meeting some great people. Uh, it really has it really increased my confidence to be able to challenge even more uh, to the point where I, I say to people, "Well, I'm an organizer, so I'm a challenge, and I'm gonna agitate you." And I'm um, getting even more comfortable with it. Um, and that's because of being around great people with, with similar values and folks that really want to work to um, make things better. And I so appreciate that. And that's kind of how we met as a result of IA and then the Baltimore Uprising and wanting to respond to things in the most positive ways by, by using ourselves and connecting our resources together. It's just it's a beautiful thing for me as an organizer. Yeah, I I feel like the other way that we resonated together is we wanted to make a difference. You know, we're all trying to figure out how do we have an impact, right? And And we know, certainly on the university side, and you've probably seen it too, Denise, that there's a lot of interesting things going on, a lot of interesting work, but it's not always asking that question about what difference is this going to make? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the, the, the different, um, I, I guess I just love the way um, we complement one another um, you know, because the work is so, on, on one hand, it seems simple sometimes because injustice can be so blatant, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, trying to do something about it is very complicated. I mean, a community, any community, uh, is a very complicated thing to start with. And then, and then you know, we have this agenda. We, we talk about wanting to make things better. Well, that's a very general thing to say. Um, you know, but, but so given how complicated that is, I think the, the, the team, if mm-hmm. you will, you know, becomes that much more important. And... You know, Bev, the way that you compliment, I think about the way you and I work together and kind of, you know, I <laughs> just find it endlessly fascinating. And we just figured out we're both on the cusp of Aries and Taurus, <laughs> and so there's something about that. <laughs> another whole thing, you know, and, and I just, you know. Thank you, Denise. <laughs> I mean, my inclination is is generally to 
um, you know, I, I, I used to be a, a foreman in construction, you know, it's just like, let's build this thing, let's do this thing. And you're always like, but what about all these folks here who, you know, you're, you're always bringing up the rear, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. and, and reminding me of, you know, the importance of, of, of looking back, looking around, seeing what's going on, you know, and, um, you know, I just love the way, and I love the way, you know, you sort of sit back and listen sometimes to some plan that, that is emerging in the group. And then in the most graceful way, say things that just help me understand, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) work. Well, the good example of that is the Arch Social Club event, right? Where we've got these films, we've got this agenda. We're like, okay, so this film is three minutes and 53 seconds, and this one is this. And so we've got this, like, super detailed agenda about, okay, we've got exactly six and a half minutes of discussion we can have until we do the next film. And we show it to you, and you're like, "Uh, okay, but where's the gathering? Mm -hmm. Where's How are we going to convene as humans in this. So we take the agenda, we rip it in half, we throw it out. <laughs> and the meeting starts with you and Lee dancing because it's your birthday. Yes. And then, you know, and then it's just this human, these human moments that, you know, you were like, this isn't about presentation. This is about really being with each other yeah. and having tough discussions. But first we got to be with each other. And so definitely uh, growing in a role of, of culture organizing with the hope of, in Baltimore, we kind of redefine what that is uh, as we continue continue to do the work. Uh, I think it has a, a uniqueness about it that is really centered on us being human beings and learning to work with one another and honor and value one another. Uh, I watched how uh, the workshop that we had um Yesterday, I thought it was absolutely beautiful simply because everybody took on a role yeah. based on what they do best. Did, and even watching the two students, um, they were at the Art Social Club, but they were quiet. But yesterday, yeah. oh, they stepped up. <laughs> yeah. and, and they it, knew when to do it. And they went, and it was just a beautiful thing to watch and, and to be part of. I love the way we prepared for that by trying to figure, okay, you're going to do this. And, you're gonna, and really, none of that helped. None of that helped. Very similar to many of our other events, I'd like to point out. But everybody knew in a more sophisticated way, right. frankly, because we've been working together. You know, when to say what, you know. Yeah. Very interesting. You know, we are at a sort of a pointy-headed conference, right? It's academics. You know, no matter how you slice it, um, these are academics. And... Um, today I heard something, and I wonder what you guys are responding to from the conference, so I'll just share one thing. Um, today we were listening to the Page Fellows, um, you know, do their lightning talks, right? And, um, you know, I'm not well-versed in, in the literature of organizing or in critical theory or whatever. I'm, I'm a maker. I'm a painter and a filmmaker, and um, I can tell you a lot about the theory of that, but that's probably about it. Um, so I'd never heard this before, but um, one gentleman, um, and I think he was from South Africa, um, one of the Page Fellows, um, was talking about, he used the word contrapuntal, counterpoint. It's a word that means, it's you know at least my reference to it, because I 
studied music is it's 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 the way we talk about the different voices in a harmony. So if there's a bunch of people singing or playing in a band or whatever together, um, two different voices that play off one another loosely speaking is called counterpoint, right? And count, contrapuntal is a is an adjective that you use to describe something that has counterpoint. And a few of these page fellows were really kind of in one way or another talking about a kind of tyranny of mono, of, of, of a kind of monolithic singularity of how sometimes activism gets approached. So if you're sort of a left, leftist activist, right, mm-hmm. you're fighting for certain things. And there's, um, you know, I, I think in a way some people might call this political correctness, which makes me very nervous. But, um, but, but the idea that there is this contrapuntal plurality um, that, that can proceed with this work. In other words, you don't all have to be on the same page. You don't have to believe the same things necessarily. You don't have to... You don't. You aren't necessarily being in the world in the same ways. And and I just saw these 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 students, these sort of PhD candidate students, really exploding this idea of what it takes to be working together. And so that touched me because of our of of what mm-hmm. we were just talking about of the way we complement each other. And I just that's a takeaway for me. I want. I don't know. What you guys have been experiencing or liking or caring about from the conference so far? Well, I can kind of relate to that um, because what what I've learned um, uh, for cultural organizing, it's about value. It's about valuing people and valuing and uh, responding to the things that's important to them. And uh, if we can learn to do that, then we can learn to communicate with one another um, and accept those things about one another because people decide what's important to them and um, we all have a right to make that decision. Um, So I can appreciate that term. I've never heard it before, but I can appreciate it. It's weird used in this context, but I like it. Yeah, so as you all were talking, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about story circles which also was a project that we did with you, Denise, um, through the USDAC, and how powerful those story circles were. And we had some young people in the circle that I was working with, and I remember Michael Wills at the end of it saying, this was awesome. I loved it. He said, I've never had anyone listen to me like that before. And when are we doing it again? Because I want to do this next week. I'm going to bring my boys. Right. And so, you know, that was a powerful moment of just a little listening, what difference that can make, right? And so what I've been thinking about in this conference is that, you know, we're in this really difficult time right now, and we're all trying to figure out what we're going to do, and and how does Imagining America and all of us connected to it function in this time? And what does that mean about what we do locally and all of that? But what's striking me is that we can't even have that conversation until we understand how we're each experiencing this moment in this country, right? Mm -hmm. And that's about bodies. It's about vulnerabilities. it's It's about opportunities and possibities. And it's about fear. And it's about a lot of things. Um, 
so this conference on the one hand is a place where it's like this is a hopeful setting right it Mm -hmm. it makes us feel like we're with our people right and we're happy because a lot of these people are young people and they're out there in all these cities all over the country doing and all these rural spaces everybody's doing all this good work but it also makes me think about the time we need to spend understanding how we each are in these moments and and you know listening to that before we tried to go to okay how are we organizing together mm-hmm. right because we're experiencing point. this so differently i mean what, what but what the two of you are saying i'm hearing something that just makes a lot of sense to me you know which is you have to care about the people you have to value the people first I think is what you were saying, yes, Denise. Yes, I believe that deeply. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're saying that you have to take the time to to listen to people, to understand how they are experiencing now. Because, because the further we get from now, when we talk about mm-hmm. how we're feeling, probably, probably the less you can trust it, in a way. I mean, it, it, maybe that's, that's my own projection, mm-hmm. but... Um, I, I think that people can talk more accurately about how they're feeling right now than how they felt, because that gets colored and reinvented and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, using that um, method, that process as a way to value people mm-hmm. and starting there um, just makes all the sense to me. You know, the Citizen Artists Baltimore group that I'm on, that you mm-hmm. were on, you know, they have this agenda, these political agenda things that they want to do, right? And I find myself saying, but I don't even think we are a community of artists in Baltimore. I don't think there's been any community building going on among artists in Baltimore. I don't think that we are valuing each other. I don't even think we know each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I want to start. Like, mm-hmm. Let's hang out together and have mm-hmm. a big party and do stuff and find out who one another are. So what you're saying makes a huge amount of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being able to hear. Um, by listening, you, you, you come to understand um, what people value and, and, and what their perspectives are around various issues or things that that's dear to them so listening is a big piece of the work um and that's why i try really hard when i want to say something to to just be quiet um especially as an organizer because organizing is rooted in building a relationship so that um so that people can participate in in the change that we say that we want or whatever it is that we've identified as as important to us. We we can only do it together. It can't be done by a single person. A single organizer cannot change anything. And and, and the work of an organizer is to connect uh connect folks and together we create change and, and out of that people individually continue to bring their, their gifts forward uh towards the change. I appreciate you saying the listening, Beverly. Yeah, and it's it, what you just said is also making me think that uh, something that Lee often says is the work of universities and colleges is knowledge, right? These are knowledge institutions. We're supposed to be teaching it, building it, developing it, discovering it. And 
I think our ethos that we've sort of developed together is we we can't do that fundamental work. We will neglect it if we don't have the multiple knowledges that we share together, right? So we can't we can't solve this crazy current period without all of the knowledge that we need to build together and we can't get there until we know each other and we can listen to each other. Mm-hmm. You can't hear each other. You can't hear one another's knowledges. You, can, right. you can't hear, you know, it, it's, it's so true. And, and yet, you know, that, the, you know, where universities come from is this kind of enlightenment idea. You're trying to discover like the right way to look at things or something, you know, the single story and so on and so forth. And, um, which is so absurd because, what, what we're learning now, particularly in this era of, you know, alternate facts or no facts or, you know, da 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 da, is it's, it's, it's almost a gift in a way um, for a revelation for people who are, you know, sort of science oriented to realize that, no, actually the truth um, has no, it's, it's inert. It has no value. It doesn't do anything. Uh, I mean, it can be used as a tool to do things, but only after you have dealt with the relational aspect, only after you have built the relationships, only after you have listened to one another and realized that, um, you know, that single truth, um, first of all, may not be quite as informed as you thought it was, <laughs> right? But but uh, it's just, it's not the magic, uh, the magic dust that we once thought it was. So... Lee, tell us a story about a recent experience that for you names this current historical moment in time. Well, I'd have to say, you know, um, as an amateur uh, social scientist, you know, media people often have to do that. I've known for a long time that human beings are not motivated to do something because of some big truth that comes from on high, right? Some you know, scientific truth or whatever. So in, in this time when the whole um, watching the media erupt and attack Donald Trump um, for lying and telling his own version of facts and the whole alternative fact thing, um, watching that revelation sweep over um, sort of science and more left-leaning folks like me um, was really a defining um, moment for me. It was, a, it was actually a gratifying moment in a way, not what our president was doing, uh, don't get me wrong, but the revelation um, that that's, you have to build relationships, that, that, that this president is just going to go out and build relationships with a group of people who he listened to, and they're their facts trump ours, so to speak. I hate to use that silly pun. But anyway, that was a, that names our current moment for me. I think for me, it's been the, um, the nailing um, of athletes and the whole conversation around the flag. And I've been paying a lot of attention to it because. You love football. <laughs> I love football. <laughs> I love uh, seeing athletes do what they were born to do, and that's kind of how I see 
athletes. This is what they were born to do because they love it. I, I know it. They're so passionate about it. And this is their choice that, that they've made, and they've worked hard to, to get um, where they are as, as professional uh, athletes. And so it, it goes back to uh, how I was trained with my mom, always telling us, with all that you do, seek understanding. So I'm reading, I'm paying attention, I'm listening, I'm questioning, and and then always asking the question so that I can get the understanding. Why is it that people can't see the difference between the kneeling and the national anthem and the flag? What is that really about? And in order, I think, to answer that, I need to talk to people who see the flag as, you know, I don't know, total patriotism or the military and then how they see the kneeling as a disrespectful uh, thing to the flag when multiple people and in, in, in many uh, uh, groups of people in this country has, has uh, fought war for this country, including uh, black folks. Um, and, and people had their reasons uh, for signing up to, to fight. And all of the reasons I know were not to serve the country. But at the same time, I'm still trying to understand um, why people can't wrap their arms or their minds around it, which also for me speaks to the uh, divide that the country has in, in terms of um, um, their own understanding of, of the groups of people that exist in, in the world that we all inhabit. So fabulous talking with you guys. This has been really fun. 25 minutes is not enough for us. <laughs> yeah, we I appreciate the conversation. <laughs> good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And the good news is we can go out this door and keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> Thanks. That was Denise Johnson, Beverly Bickle, and Lee Boot, who participated in IA Story Share at the 2017 Imagining America National Conference. At the end of each session, we asked everyone who shared with us to also complete the sentence, I imagine an America. I imagine an America that fulfills its mission of equality, justice, freedom, and liberty. We have a long way to go. Those guys, those guys planted a little bomb. We always have. To hear those short segments, go to our website, imaginingamerica.org, and click on IA Story Share. You can subscribe to the IA Story Share podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. And if you'd like to contact the IA Story Share project, our email address is connect at imaginingamerica.org. The views presented in this podcast are not necessarily those of Imagining America, the University of California Davis, or the University of California Regents. Our opening theme music is by Joe Kai. Our closing music today is by Camila Ortiz. Imagining America, Artists and Scholars in Public Life is a national consortium of academic institutions and cultural organizations based at the University of California, Davis.